everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Upress Play News. My name's Natalia. I'm the news editor. I'm Jillian. I'm the editor-in-chief. I'm Michael. I'm the social media manager. And on today's topics, we'll be talking about the Board of Trustees, the public shooting, a high school, and a ban on critical race theory. So before we get started, too, I wanted to um, talk about the healthcare district of Palm Beach County. So they're going to be providing a mobile vaccine unit on the Boca Raton campus on Friday, June 25th from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. in parking lot 25. They're going to be providing both the Pfizer and the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. Uh, the van was also available on June 11th, which has just passed. Um, so individuals who chose the Pfizer vaccine on the 11th can return to lot five on July 9th um, to get their second shot. And those who get their shot on the 25th uh, can return to lot 23 on July 16th. No appointment is needed for either of these. Um, so that's really great. And, and this information is all on our website in an article written by Natalia. So you can always go back there for that information. So FAU's Board of Trustees, they're the governing body that they make a lot of decisions for the university. Um, well, they recently began talking about changing the tenure process. For anyone who doesn't know, because um, for some reason I didn't until much later in life, um, tenure makes it incredibly difficult to fire professors, basically. It, it protects professors and their ability to teach freely. Um, and it also allows them to conduct research freely. So it allows them to do things academically without retribution from the university. Um, and professors must uh, go through a process to get approved. Not everyone is automatically tenured. The board wants to introduce the ability to basically request records regarding a professor's political affiliations, um, regarding donations, voting, like all that kind of stuff, anything, anything that the board wants regarding political affiliations. Um, so that means that they could then approve or deny tenure based on a teacher's personal political beliefs. So the board was meant to vote on this on June 8th, but prior to the meeting, the university's teachers union heard about the possibility of this and pushed back. So the board eventually then decided to table the vote until later, um, and the date for that is currently unannounced. Yeah, I, I think the board of trustees is definitely in the wrong here. Uh, for this. Um, I don't think someone's personal political beliefs really um, are anyone's business, honestly. I mean, um, but it just seems like you're changing the tenure process for no reason as well. And it, it I think it can lead to a little bit of like, um, I want to use the word like political theater where trustees don't like this person or that person. So they have like big authority to like get someone out that they don't like for kind of uh, dumb reasons or something like that. Um, but I don't know, uh, what, what was the tenure process like before this? Does anyone know what the specifics were about it? I don't know the specifics. Like I said, I, I know it's a process. They, I know I, it really did not have much to do with the Board of Trustees. That much I can say. The Board of Trustees did not really have a hand in it. Um, Natalia, do you know more about this than I do? Yeah, so I actually was at a faculty senate meeting and they talked a little bit about the tenured process. So basically what happens is for tenured, each university is different based on how they do their tenured process. But for FAU, it's for five years. So a teacher has to be a professor, basically has to be teaching at the university for five years. And in their third year, they get basically put on like a tenure type of track, which is basically they start kind of getting ready for tenure. They start being basically kind of 
um, kind of like helping a professor that's already tenured. And then in their fifth year, they turn in all these documents and stuff like that. And they go up against to, um, they go up for the tenure process. And then once it's kind of like confirmed that they're like tenured, it goes to the president. And then the president makes kind of like the final decision says like, okay, this professor is tenured. What they're trying to do here is they're trying to make the board of trustees have full, like, um, full, what do you mean? Like, I forgot the word, but like full. Um, authority? Yeah, full authority over the tenured process. So basically the board of trustees, part of it is chosen by the school and part of it is put in place by the government. So it's kind of like you have half a government opinion and then half like a school opinion. So it's kind of like, this is where it kind of gets tricky because it's not fully kind of like a school decision if the board of trustees gets the full authority to tenured professors, it's kind of like half government, half school. Um, and then basically this is something also JP that wrote our business manager that wrote the article on tenured. This word basically, push like teachers of color to not go up for tenure basically because they're no like hey the board of trustees and stuff like that yeah and i don't know if this reminded you guys of this at all but when i read this it actually reminded me of the bill that passed to diversify political beliefs in universities which we talked about i think maybe a couple months ago um that was basically like universities have to reach a certain level of political diversity and this is really that was an effort on behalf of like the gop and republicans because they felt like universities were too liberal so I don't know, this is what that reminded me of and this kind of you know policing the political beliefs of people who are working on universities it also reminds me uh more like recently of like this whole critical race theory thing as well, where where like there's interference in what a teacher can teach and, and things like that. I mean, I think that the the less that like the board of trustees or someone is involved with things like academics and professors, uh, probably the better, because then you can see like Natalia said, if, if they don't like a certain person for whatever reason, and, and the reason can be really you know, surface level, frivolous, whatever, they can then deny that person tenure. And then that professor is probably going to leave the university or something like that. And then that's a good point that JP brought up and Natalia's brought up as well is that um, about professors of color, FAU already doesn't hire enough of them. So this can be problematic in so many ways where it's like, you know, the board of trustees is judge, jury, and executioner on uh, who gets to have tenure with their job and, and, you know, who, what message gets to be taught by the university and stuff like that. I, I just, I think that education should be in the hands of the teachers, bottom line, pretty much all the time. Yeah, so you also talked about the uh, professors, basically, uh, they could like not tenure a professor for like whatever reason. That's actually kind of what happened in the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. One of the professors, she was the only one denied tenured because she took part in the 1619 project. Yeah, see that, like stuff like that, that's ridiculous to deny someone tenure because of that. And 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 um, yeah, it's, it's just, I think it's just related to a lot of like this push we see with um, a lot of things to, for out, people outside of education to intrude into education, basically. You know what I mean? Because if, I'm not trying to like trash on the board of trustees, but you're not a teacher, you know what I mean? So it's, yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, so my thought is, I don't, they've tabled it indefinitely at this point. Um, JB's article said that the next Board of Trustees meeting isn't scheduled until uh, uh, like September or August or something, which is quite a few months down the road. Uh, so I'm really, I'm really curious to see if they do bring this up again um, or if it kind of just dies. Yeah, I'd imagine that this is going to stay controversial uh, if they if they don't table it. You know what I mean? So. Um... I hope they table it too and just leave it, let it lie, but we'll see what happens. Well, yeah, it is tabled for now. Um, the question is, well, you know, whether or not they're going to bring it back, which, um, yeah, we'll, we'll just have to see. Yeah. I mean, if they do bring it back, it's going to be controversial again, I think. I think it'd probably be even more controversial because rather than in the summer, it's going to be right in the heat of us getting back to school. So, yeah. We'll That's definitely true. be covering that if, if so. So, yeah. <laughs> Last Thursday, June 10th, a gunman entered a Publix in Royal Palm Beach, killing a grandmother and her one-year-old grandson before turning the gun on himself. He has no apparent connection to the two people he killed. As far as we know and as far as the police department has told us at this point, it was completely random. Uh, later that day, the Palm Beach County Sheriff's Office identified the gunman as 55-year-old Timothy J. Wall. Uh, much to the dismay of the sheriff's department, Wall actually posted on his Facebook page that his desire to kill people and children. Palm Beach County uh, Sheriff Rick Bradshaw had publicly expressed his anger towards those who follow Wall on Facebook who did not report his threatening posts. Uh, because Florida does have laws in place so that I, I believe they're called red flag laws so that if someone does show that they are a potential dangerous threat, the state is allowed to confiscate their firearms. The sheriff expressed that had Wall's post been reported, lives may have been saved. Um, Wall's ex-wife also said that he was exhibiting signs of paranoia, um, and he had also had a lot of financial issues over the past few years, um, especially after his divorce, and actually declared bankruptcy, I believe, earlier this year. Um, so he had a lot of stuff going on. But yeah, it was definitely, it was interesting to read the articles, because yeah, uh, Sheriff Wall was uh, very publicly upset that no one reported any of this behavior yeah I, I mean that's troubling if i seen that i would definitely flag it to facebook already i thought facebook too i thought that they are moderating anything you post to begin with if they're not they probably should be you know what i mean i don't know to the extent that that program works for them yeah i mean it wouldn't surprise me if it didn't work well because <laughs> it's facebook but uh I, I don't know i don't use facebook that much but um uh, the, the thing about this is that this is like a trend now. I don't know if, if you watch the news, like there's been a shooting like every week, every weekend. There were over a hundred during Memorial Day weekend. And like, I've read like three articles in the past week talking about how 2021 is setting up to be one of the worst years for gun violence on record. Uh, I read yesterday, I think it was CBS News said that there's a road rage related shooting every 18 hours in the U.S., and I don't know if this is economic anxiety, if it's pent up anger from the pandemic. I think everyone's been a little bit on edge over the last year and stuff. I know I've been a little bit more anxious and things like that, you know, but um, I don't know if that's like all these factors are, are causing people to snap or whatever, but um, I don't know, man. It, it, it seems like it's certainly a trend like now and um, pretty much every time you turn on the news, there's another shooting, especially down here in Florida, uh, I think the Miami police were doing something this past week because they said it's getting so bad down in Dade County with how many shootings are happening and stuff like that.
Yeah, and there's also the thing, a lot of states right now, from what I've heard, they are taking away kind of like that whole entire protection for how you get guns and stuff. So like some states have heard they're taking away, like you don't need to carry um, like a gun license. You can just have a gun wherever you want it. Yeah, that was Texas. Texas. You have states here that are like full on taking away something that's trying to protect and making it a lot easier. Well, yeah, and, and I don't know if anyone saw the 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 uh, um, ban on they they repealed the ban on assault weapons in California because the person like said they were like a pocket knife, which is ridiculous. Uh, I expect better from California, honestly. Um, I, I that's been a state to me that has always had the most common sense gun control in 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 relation to some of its neighbors like Arizona and places across the country like Texas and Florida. Um, you know, you don't get a jump on shootings and violence by making it easier to get guns. So I, I don't know what's going on with all this and stuff. But even like, I would expect like something like that here or in Arizona or Texas, but not in a place like California. So I'm wondering if across the country, like New York has, I think, really strict gun laws, what's going to happen there if, if people are going to take the lead there or whatever. But so a little disclaimer, but before we go to the next topic, I'm actually a former student who graduated from this high school a little over four years ago. So just a little uh, disclaimer that I actually went to the school. Um, but late last week, a Broward County high school called West Broward paused their yearbook distribution over a Black Lives Matter spread. Now the yearbook teacher at the school, David Fletcher, told CNN of which later was pulled it by CBS4 Miami, that they found out that it was over, and I quote, some complaints from teachers and from parents about the content of the Black Lives Matter page, saying that the spread wasn't objective and there were no opposing views from either All Lives Matter or Blue Lives Matter. The yearbook teacher wrote an email to his coworkers saying that not every story has or should include an opposing viewpoint, and I quote, Advocating for one group does not mean you are attacking another, but using a counter movement distracts from the discussions that must occur about how people of color are impacted by racism. The distribution of the yearbooks resumed this week, but with the note saying that, please note that as a governmental agency, the school board of Brad County must maintain a neutral stance on all political views. As such, any political views expressed in the 2021 West Broward yearbook are not sponsored by the district. So when they when they sent this yearbook back out, Natalia, did they did they remove the spread or they just put that disclaimer? No, they just put this uh, one page kind of note saying we don't um, we don't we maintain a neutral stance on all political viewpoints. Any political viewpoints expressed, they're not sponsored by the district. It was just like a tiny little slip that said. Okay, okay. Well, I'm I'm glad that it wasn't removed. That's number one. But uh, I don't think the thought that Black Lives Matter is a political viewpoint. I just think it should be common sense that Black Lives Matter. And um, it, I, it's concerning, but not surprising to see uh, teachers or, or, or um, uh, parents getting mad about this because that's been happening lately where you see people get really uncomfortable with the notion that Black Lives Matter and they take that simple phrase as an attack on other people and and the teacher put it or the yearbook teacher put it right when he said advocating for one group does not mean you're attacking another and when you when you 
when something like Black Lives Matter gets discussed and you bring up a different movement, you're discrediting Black Lives Matter, even if you really don't mean to. It's that's what it comes off as is a like a whataboutism where you're trying to discredit this movement. Um, so I, I'm glad that the Black Lives Matter spread got to stay, but I think it's troubling that teachers and parents would complain about it in the first place. I, I want to get to a point where Black Lives Matter doesn't trigger people and and provoke like, you know, um, these kind of responses where people are, well, what about other people? Or what about all lives matter? You know what I mean? Like it, it, it shouldn't um, get people all up in arms that people say Black Lives Matter. And I think that shows a lot of the subtle racism still in society and, and from parents that just that three word phrase gets people in an uproar. And they think that it's like, I don't, I don't know why they get so upset about it, but I hope we get to a point where they don't. And I'm, I'm glad that the, the yearbook kept the spread in, even though they had to put their disclaimer, I guess. But I completely agree. Um, I don't think that saying a group of people's lives matter um, should be political. Um, and I think what's really interesting is the fact that, you know, you're saying that they said the spread wasn't objective and that there was no opposing view. And I feel like this is a very blatant um, yet also maybe, I guess, subtle, like, recognition that the Blue Lives Matter is an opposite, it's literally an opposition to Black Lives Matter, um, and is an attempt to discredit the movement and say that, I don't know what, they don't matter? I, that It's ridiculous. Um, yeah, I feel like this is, like, fighting back with saying that it's not objective or doesn't show both sides, I guess, kind of shows the true colors of the Blue Lives Matter movement. I get what you're saying. It seems like that a lot of these political or, or, or not political, but other movements are um, brought up as just a sole means to discredit Black Lives Matter. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it, it, we already know the history of, of Blue Lives Matter. It's literally an opposition. Like, it came up in response to Black Lives Matter. So, and, and and I agree with this yearbook teacher and with you, Jillian, there's not always an opposing side to every story or every argument. And even if there is, it's it's sometimes irrelevant, you know what I mean? So, it, but to, to this one, there is no, you know, equal but opposite side pretty much, you know what I mean? There's there's no need for there to be an opposing viewpoint on something like this, I don't think, you know what I mean? Uh, I know we all get taught in our journalism classes that back in the day they tried to give every issue 50-50 and it's just not reality anymore that every issue has a perfectly valid counterpoint. It's just not it, or has the same, deserves the same amount of um, coverage or whatever. I, I think it depends. So um, like I said, I'm glad the spread stayed, but it's still concerning that people found it troubling to begin with or that they suspended the the sale of the yearbook to begin with over this so a school yearbook is it's student run it's not run by the school it's run by the students and if the students want to put something over what happened over the course of the year they should be able to do it without retribution from the school the only retribution i see is if it's something that's related to like violence or any type of like drugs and stuff that's the only issue is like when it comes to like drugs and like violence that's the only thing that I think is more like troublesome but when you put something like a movement like Black Lives Matter movement I don't think that number one deserves an opposing viewpoint and number two I don't see the problem with people putting that like in your book being like hey this is what happened over the course of the year like why shouldn't you be allowed to put like a Black Lives Matter 
uh, spread on it. Yeah, I think the um, the teacher said it the most eloquently, more eloquently than I can, that advocating for one group does not mean that you're attacking another. Okay, so our last topic this week is uh, the ban on the teaching of concepts related to critical race theory. So on Thursday, Florida banned the teaching of these concepts related to critical race theory. Uh, Florida has joined dozens of other states in banning the teaching of concepts related to this theory. So critical race theory, if you don't know, it's broadly speaking, it's a movement that examines the intersection of race, law, and equity. Uh, Republicans have taken aim at this concept recently because it involves discussions of systemic racism in society and how that will affect people. And they're kind of against it being taught in school. A lot of the opponents of it say that it's inappropriate. And in Ron DeSantis's words, our governor, he said it, quote, teaches kids to hate their country and hate each other, end quote. Teachers, for the most part, from the things that I've read, are outraged with the government meddling in what they can and cannot teach, with some of them stating that the new mandates are akin to lying to students about history. Uh, I was researching this this morning, and teachers in 22 different states have planned protests over similar laws passed in other states to restrict lessons about racism in school. Uh, for, our, for down here in uh, South Florida, Justin Katz, who's the president of the Palm Beach County Teachers Union, said the new laws, quote, tread dangerously close to restricting the instruction of objective facts. In a statement, however, Palm Beach County School District said that what it teaches and how it teaches will not be affected by this ruling. Some teachers have brought up that critical race theory isn't even taught in their schools and the banning of them is a, the banning of it is a waste of time. Uh, I read this thing this morning, Elizabeth Albert, she's a teachers union president from Volusia County. She said, why is he, meaning Ron DeSantis, making such a stand to ban something claiming that teachers are indoctrinating students when this isn't even in the schools. He's creating an issue where an issue doesn't exist. Um, so this is uh, this has been like a flashpoint for a couple months now. You've, I saw a couple months ago, like states like Tennessee and stuff like that were on the offensive against this critical race theory thing. And all that critical race theory states is that racism is real and it affects, you know, um, equity and laws and, and, and how we live as Americans. And another part of this that uh, they've taken aim at is the 1619 Project, which is something the New York Times did, which was talking about the history of slavery in this country and stuff like that. It's, it's really good. You should read it if, um, if you haven't. But you, you can't ban the teaching of this. If you ban the teaching of how racism shaped American society, you're basically lying about history. Uh, so it seems so ridiculous to me to just like boldface lie to students, but I want to know what you guys think about this. So go ahead, Jillian. Oh, I think the quote of he's creating an issue where an issue doesn't exist is a particularly good quote. <laughs> um, yeah, and I feel like I, I agree with everything you just said. Critical race theory, I mean, it's basically just the factual history of slavery and racism in our country. Like there's not really much that's theoretical about it. Um, <laughs> it. It's it's just fact. And in terms of teaches kids to hate their country and hate each other, that's just ridiculous. Being more educated, being educated doesn't inspire hate. Being educated does the opposite. And what I think is really interesting is, um, you know, America has a really violent history with how we treated black people and other people of color. And something that I've seen brought up in kind of made as a comparison is Germany. Obviously, there was the issue with the Holocaust, um, Nazis, um, and, and white supremacy. It was really prevalent for, you know, 
a little while. And what Germany did is they confronted that directly. They educated people about the history of it. They have honest discussions about the violence and the destruction. And Germany has gotten a lot better as a result. Everyone knows that this was violent and wrong. Uh, and I feel like something similar could be applied here. If we talk about it and we teach about what happened and we say, hey, this is what happened. And it was and it was really bad. That's that does more to help than it does to harm. If we say, hey, no, this didn't happen. This it, it's not a problem. It's not a thing. Don't worry about it. That's just going to make things worse. I mean, if you're if you're a black person, right, you're going to face inequity regardless of whether or not they're teaching this history. And so all it does is disenfranchise the very real struggles that black people and people of color are having today. Yeah, it's uh, it's troubling in a lot of ways. Like, like you, um, it, it, you know, slavery and the genocide of Native Americans is America's great shame and should be, but no one wants to talk about it ever. And the way you get over that shame or you educate people about it is by talking about it and letting it know it's wrong. And if you teach a history class and you gloss over the mistreatment of Black people, of Native Americans, of people that were subjugated in the beginning of the country, then you're, you're lying. And it's, it's ridiculous to teach history that way. You're just lying. And you brought up Germany, which is, is a good example. In addition to the, they have mandatory Holocaust uh, education there but they also have mandatory trips to uh, Auschwitz where the students have to go visit the site of the crime to learn about it. And I think that that is interesting as well um, where you confront what happened and you say, this is why it happened. This is why it can't happen again. And it was harmful and, and, and things like that. Um, you, you can't, I don't think you can look at the history of the founding of our country and just act like everyone was friends and and people weren't mistreated and weren't murdered and weren't enslaved. You get what I'm saying? And it that does a disservice to every student, white, black, any any race, any ethnicity. Um, it's just super duper a shame to see government try to interfere with education like this. Uh, what do you, um, I wanna hear what Natalia has to say. Yeah, so I agree with Julian, you know, like you wanna confront this head on um, because if you don't, you kind of are kind of like, okay, we're not going to teach this because it goes against like, you know, forever stupid dumb reason they have for not wanting to teach us. But I like the whole entire thing with like Germany, Germany taught, like Germany teaches this to their students. So they learn like, hey, this happened to our country. Let's make sure it doesn't happen again. Let's learn from this, what happened in the past. I think that's something the United States, um, the country, we always lack that in here. When we talk about American history, when we talk about even world history sometimes, we always kind of just fish over, as I like to call it. It's always fish. It's always sugar-coated. They always say, oh, it's like this little thing happened. That's it. They don't really go into depth with it. Even with some of the stuff that we learn at school, they, it, it, they just kind of blank over it. And, you know, like, um, like you kind of mentioned, like you're creating a rule when there isn't when it's not already we're already teacher already so why are you creating something for something that we don't teach already so it kind of makes like there's like no point in it but um but yeah i don't know well it's preventative you know yeah it's preventative he, he, they don't want more of this to be introduced to the classroom yeah well what's 
tremendously annoying too is about they 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 attack this as being un-American. I've seen that lately. Trump wanted to completely change education before he um, lost uh, historically in November, um, but he uh, he wanted to change it to be more Amer quote unquote American. You know, he's saying that teachers were teaching people to hate America, and I think learning the history of your country is learning both its its good and its evils, and 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 how it can be better. And I, I think that you're you're honestly more American if you recognize that your country has faults and that this is things that could be done better because I, I think that it's been poor pretty much always this education like they Natalia's right they do gloss over a lot of this stuff particularly like about early settlers uh, relations to Native Americans and things like that there's they don't a lot of times history books and, and textbooks in elementary school don't get into how um, crazy those relationships were and and the murder and and, and all the crazy terrible things that happened. And I don't think it's un-American to learn that. And I don't think it makes you hate your country to learn that. When I take a history class, I want to be told the truth. You know what I mean? I, I don't know why Republicans now are, are really offended for people from terrible people from 500 years ago who were upholding slavery and things like that. It, it's just wild to me. And it's always a bad thing when government gets involved with education, I think, always. Yeah, and I mean, to your point again, like relating to what I said earlier, is German people are still patriotic. They're still proud to be in their country, even though they face their historic atrocities face on. You know, knowing your the history of your country does not mean that you automatically have to hate it. You can still be, you can say, yeah, this is what we did. This is where we were. Um, but I can see where we're at now, and I'm still proud and happy to be here you know it, I don't know if it I, I really don't understand I guess like what the harm is in being historically accurate and you're right we do gloss over the genocide of Native Americans in this country we gloss over slavery we there are so many atrocities that happened throughout all of that that we do not learn about I mean I'm I'm still learning about the terrible things that happened. I mean, I remember in school, um, I forget what they were called exactly, but when they put Native Americans in, were they reform schools? Uh, there was, or residential schools, I forget the exact term for it. And I remember, I, re I remember in my um, AP history class, like they were like, oh yeah, they, they put Native American children and adults in these schools um, and tried to, you know, westernize them. And that was all they said. They didn't talk about how the fact that people were being murdered in these schools, tortured in their schools, their culture was being ripped away from them, and just all of the, all of the terrible, terrible atrocities that happened. It, it, it was all completely glossed over. So, and learning about that when I was a kid wouldn't have made me hate my country. Now, as an adult, I'm disappointed that my state and school system didn't give me an honest education. I, I'm upset that they didn't teach me the the real facts of the situation. Yeah, that's a good point, too. I, I don't know what um, what a lot of these legislators are so angry about, too, because it already, like you said, already glosses over. If you If you read or remember, like, history books, a lot of times it'll gloss over what happened in our country to Native Americans, to Black people, but it'll, it'll quote, it'll devote paragraphs to someone like a white person 
who was subjugating these people. So the, the subjugation is a footnote in the larger story of whatever historical figure. So our history is already kind of whitewashed and being taught whitewashed at the elementary and high school and middle school level. And these, <laughs> a lot of these states, I guess that's not good enough for them and they want it to be further whitewashed and not to tell the truth and things like that. Like they, independent of the critical race theory thing, a lot of the things they want to do with this is like ban any discussion of race or sex at the classroom level, which is just ridiculous to me because they say it makes people quote unquote uncomfortable. Well, history can be uncomfortable and you need to learn from it. And I, I don't think that teachers are teaching people to hate America by teaching them that certain people have been discriminated against throughout history. Yeah, and then there's the other thing, like um, like Julia said, like some things of history she didn't learn until she got older. I also, I didn't learn about the Armenian genocide until I was in college, until I took a 20th century class that like the first thing we learned about was the Armenian genocide. And I just stared in the class, I was like, this happened? And the teacher was like, yeah, this happened. I was like, I never learned this in school because they never taught it to us. Or even when they do teach it to us, they just kind of say, oh yeah, this happened here nothing more and it's not even just with American history it's like with um with like word history even like they kind of like talk they like gloss over like Japan history they gloss over any other type of history that I remember reading like it was always just kind of like okay this happened that's it we're done we're not gonna talk about it anymore and it's kind of like okay then we're not gonna learn more we're not gonna learn the depth of it like why? Like this is history. History is supposed to, history is ugly, number one. And if you can't confront it head on, we're never going to learn from the past. And it's something kind of like what my eighth grade history teacher also taught me. She's like, if you don't learn from this, history repeats itself. If you don't learn from what happened before, it's going to repeat itself because you haven't learned from it. Yeah. And this whole issue brings me back to my current questions, I guess, regarding the state of the modern Republican Party, which is they're, they're very anti-big government, yet we see these laws being made that are very big government. They're trying to, you know, police who can teach at schools, what can be taught in schools, as if that isn't a direct sign of propaganda and, and other big government issues. Um, so I, it's, it's another it's another thing that just seems so inconsistent with what I feel like members of the GOP preach. Yeah, that's that's a good point too. I I um I was probably gonna bring that up, but that's that's an excellent point. It's that that's usually that's Republicans say they're the party of anti-big government, but a lot of their decisions are for more government intervention in a lot of um, sectors. And you know, I think the teachers really have said it best that they don't want to they don't want their instruction methods to be influenced by the government they want to be able to have honest conversations with their students and i think that in the realm of education you should um listen to the teachers above all i i read something uh, i'm paraphrasing here a couple days ago re related to this where a teacher or a school administrator said the worst words you can hear is someone saying i'm from the government and i'm here to tell you how to teach and uh, I think that's true. I mean, we talked about that about 20 minutes ago about how I, it's, it's usually just a bad thing when the government gets involved in someone's public education. Yeah, and I guess like, I mean, 
even in a college classroom where we do have tenured professors who are protected and at liberty to teach mostly what they want to, I, I am not given this quote unquote liberal agenda that we hear so often talked about. Um, I, and I know that we've talked about this before. My classes have never had one-sided conversations. There's always both views present. There's always, there's always an opposition and there's always just an honest academic discussion. Um, and then that's been in college and I went to uh, middle school and high school here in Florida and there certainly was not any indoctrination um, in there. I mean, as we talked about, these subjects are completely glossed over. Even in my more like liberal appearing teachers, these are not something that there was a political discussion about. So I, yeah, I, I just don't, in my experience, I, I don't see what the issue is. Yeah, I've, ha I've had the same experience, honestly. Uh, I, I don't see this indoctrination thing. Pretty much all my classes have been apolitical. Even history classes have been pretty apolitical. I, I even had, I had an English teacher my freshman year who uh, didn't want, she, she said she didn't discuss politics in the classroom because she wanted the classroom to be a welcoming place for everyone, no matter what their political views were. So I, I didn't see this I don't see this indoctrination, this boogeyman that they want to make up and they want it to be true so much, but um, that's just me. I, I don't know if anyone else had a different experience. I would wager that most people's experiences like mine, where the teachers really are, you know, uh, keeping things appropriate, apolitical, you know, not trying to influence anyone's views or anything like that and allowing the student to think, you know, what, what they like to think, you know what I mean? Because teachers, they don't teach us what to think. They teach us how to think. That's and I don't see this whole indoctrination boogeyman that <laughs> that keeps popping up in the news. So, well, what's interesting too, and I just thought about this is, I don't know, I don't know what it is because, like I said, in one of these very politically balanced classes I was in last semester, where the class itself was not political, the material that the teacher taught was not political, um, but there were political discussions. It was a discussion-based class and sometimes, you know, political views got brought up. And like I said, there was always an opposition. There was always both sides that were involved in the discussion. Um, and I remember towards the end of the class, it was right before um, the final, someone, a kid put into the Zoom chat because everything's been online. Uh, yeah, Natalia, you were in this class with me. What did he say? He said, goodbye, liberals. He said something like along the lines, like, goodbye, liberal mind, something, mind oh. people or something. It was something it was like us being, oh, it was uh, like, by mindless liberals. Yeah, 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 it was that. It was yeah. that. We just came back and it was just like in the comment section and everybody's just like, huh? Yeah, and I remember like another student coming up to me afterwards who was like, I'm not even, I'm not a liberal, I'm a libertarian. Like, I don't even know where this is. <laughs> like, it, there were so many different belief systems involved in that class. And so I remember reading that. I was like, oh, is it funny regardless? But it was, I just was so confused about where it came from. So I don't know if, and this is one kid, this is not something that's happened to me <laughs> that often, but on the subject of, you know, what is the problem? I don't know if it's like any opposing view is just wrong and shouldn't be discussed. I, like I, you know, I, I don't know where this comes from because you know, Natalia, you were there, like you can let me know, but it was a politically diverse classroom. Yeah, that's wild. Um, <laughs> that's crazy. 
All right, everyone, we have, I guess, reached the end of another episode of the Press Play News. Tune in next time for more news and more discussions from us. Mm -hmm.